Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Would you take your Bibles and open them to 2 Peter? 2 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading at verse 8 here in a second. And I'm going to read out of the New Revised Standard Version. Uh, So if you have a Bible app that allows you to change versions, you might want to go ahead and do that. How many of you have ever had something that you didn't want to do? But in the end, it wound up being a really good thing. For me, I know one of those things, uh, as I think back, I'm sure we've all had these these times, whether it was learning an instrument or learning how to do some kind of artistic endeavor or learning something on computer or learning how to do something well. For me, one of those moments was learning Greek and later learning Hebrew. It was something that I wasn't thrilled at, like when I signed up for it, it wasn't like, oh yes, Greek, I can't wait to do this. But as I put in the time and I would make flashcards, boxes and boxes of flashcards. And Lori and I were dating at the time, and so I would, I would tell her I was going off to the land of Greece, uh, which meant I was going to go down into the catacombs of the Tre- old Trevecca Library, wh- where you could go back and there was desks and there were no windows, and I could focus and I could concentrate and I could study. I wasn't looking forward to the class. But as I got into it, I began to see, and as it began to unlock and open up Scripture in a whole new way for me, I began to be so glad, so glad that I took the time to do that. And I'm no Greek scholar, but it has opened up the possibilities of learning and seeing what the writers were intending in a way that I never dreamed possible. Today, in many ways, this is going to be our passage, and you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. When I saw the passage for today, I wasn't looking forward to it. But let's dive in. And maybe that long ago time when God helped me do the hard thing and I wasn't looking forward to, but turned out well, will be of use today as we look at this difficult passage. Second Peter chapter 3 beginning at verse 8. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promises, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and all the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God? because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire. But in accordance with His promise, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness is at 
home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by Him at peace without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. It's the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. I want to be honest with you today. I shed a lot of tears this week over this passage. Tears of disbelief. Tears of grief and tears of relief, finally. So as we travel through this passage, I want to just share, I I don't have a lot of notes for you today. There won't be any fancy slides. Of course, we're going to tackle at least one Greek word. But I felt like I just wanted to share from the heart about why this message is still important for us today. I know. I know that the first grief that I experienced was disbelief at reading this passage sandwiched into the Advent passages. During this season, we are reading together this devotional, Let Earth Receive Her King. And it is following the lectionary passages. That means that there are passages, four passages that we are dealing with each, each week. And all of the church around the world that follow this calendar are reading these same passages. So we're joining with the larger church together as we read. And as I read this one, I, I thought, first of all, my thing is like, this one isn't Christmassy, God. I was just... Disbelieving, why is this one that seems to be about end times and burning things up, why is this at Christmas? And then I remembered, we're not in the Christmas season right now. We're in Advent. And remember, Advent, we talked about last week, is that balancing act of the longing and getting back into the story of the people longing for God to show up and do something about what was going on in the world. And... Longing and the, and the celebration of that coming of God into the world, both at Christmas, but the thing is, over time we realize there's still a longing for that love to be brought to completion. And so Advent also became a time where we also not just talk about God lead us to Christmas again, lead us to the manger again, but that longing that we still have, that we are longing to see completed, that will be completed when Jesus comes again, or what we call the second coming of our Lord. And so this passage fits. It fits right in with the spirit of Advent, praying, come, Lord Jesus, come. But then I got into tears with God and arguing with God about, well, what about the other four passages, the other three passages that are there? I mean, couldn't I preach from that cute passage that, that the, the Cody kids read for us today about God being a shepherd and from Isaiah where, where he's talking about, oh, comfort my people Israel. Couldn't I preach from that one? I mean, that just seems more Christmassy. Couldn't I, couldn't I preach from our psalm? You know, it just talks about God being so good to the land. 
how God comes and helps? Couldn't I preach from the gospel? I mean, who could say no to the gospel of Mark? I mean, right at the beginning, couldn't I preach about this Jesus who will baptize us with the Holy Spirit? And yet, as I prepared for this week, just over and over and over again, I felt that slow impression that we got, we have to talk about Second Peter. So my tears, in my tears of disbelief, I began to express to God my tears of grief over this passage. Because whenever I read passages like this, I don't instantly go to thinking about Greek words and the ways that I can transfer information to you. But I think about you. I think about the people who will hear this verse. And now that this is online, I think about the people who may hear it for the first time, who may just now be checking in and wondering what Cross Community Church is all about. And I don't want them to hear about burning up the elements and fire and all of these kinds of things. I think about the people who I sit with in counseling, some of your friends and family, some of your children who are scared to death because this the way because of the way this passage has been used i think about some of them who have trouble even darkening the door of any church because of the way passages like these have been used in their life some of you may be clueless to some of this but i began to express to god my grief over the way that we modern christians have taken passages like this, a, what, it, what is supposed to be a message of hope and peace, and we have sensationalized the burning up of elements and all of these kinds of things, and subtly but surely tuned this into an instrument of fear and anxiety in hopes that they will somehow surrender, get scared enough to surrender their lives to Jesus. And we honestly, I mean, the people who do that are not bad people. They think that they're loving the person that they're scaring with passages like this. But as a therapist and a pastor, I'm here to tell you, my friends, that that sensationalizing of something like this sometimes causes more harm than good. Are there people who have been scared into salvation? Yes. I just have to be real about that. Yes, there are. And for some, and I think there are very few, that is what gets their attention. But more often than not, I have found... That when we scare someone into salvation, this is my dad's quote, you have to keep them scared to keep them saved. And when we begin to try and keep people scared to keep them saved, it very quickly can morph into a kind of spiritual abuse. And that kind of spiritual abuse over time hardens the heart. It does not soften it. And people leave feeling broken about a God who would do these kinds of things to the world 
that John tells us he so loved that he gave. The Genesis tells us as he created, the first thing he made was a garden and he tended it. And he made human beings to help him tend a garden. So those tears of grief began to dry up as I wrestled with the balance of, I feel called to preach this passage, but there's a lot of tears and grief here, God, and I don't know how to do this. So I felt God saying, okay, well, get in there. You know how to study. Get in there and do it. You're convinced this is a message of hope. Show people it's a message of hope about a God of peace. I mean, we have the peace candle lit behind me. So let's dive in. I want you to know right off the bat... What Peter is dealing with here, Peter is writing wisdom to churches. This letter, second letter that he wrote to these churches in what is now modern day Turkey. He wanted this passed along to churches. He wanted to sum up because he was pretty convinced that his time was short and he was going to die at the hand of the ruling power of the Roman Empire of his day. And so he wanted to write this down. And he had heard in these churches that there were leaders who were teaching that the apostles' teaching was wrong because Jesus had not come back yet. And this was leading them to say, well, then it's okay to just spend your life partying and getting drunk. It's okay to just sleep your way through the community and and just do what you want because obviously their teaching is wrong because God hasn't come back yet. Jesus hasn't returned yet. It's a very ancient message, but still plays well today, doesn't it? And so, he jumps right in, and he wants to talk about this, and he wants the community to understand what is going on. Because the truth was, Christ had not returned. And so he starts by quoting directly Psalm 90, verse 4. He says, but do not ignore this one fact, beloved. You don't use the word beloved with someone you're trying to scare. Do not ignore this one fact, beloved. Here's the quote. That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. Then he goes on to interpret what he means by that. And he says to them, the Lord is not slow about his promises, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. You ought to circle the word word, all. How many people does God want to come to repentance? All of them. And so this God is not sitting up there angry and wrathful and just waiting to destroy humanity. Oh, I just can't wait to get down in there and clear house with those no good, rotten humans. No. God is patient. He's not slow. He's not wanting anyone to perish but for all to come to repentance. That word repentance means to turn around, to turn 180 degrees, to stop walking away from God and start walking towards God into God's arms that are open to any who would turn towards Him. 
Here we are, back in this balancing act. That was verse 8 and 9. Verse 10, he says, but God is good. He says, but the day of the Lord will come. It will come like a thief when we least expect it. And then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. And the elements will be dissolved with fire. And the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. I know in some of your translations it says burned up or it says dissolved. The word there is disclosed. What does this mean? Why all of a sudden does he go from talking about the patience of God who doesn't want anybody to die and then talking about burning up the earth? What's going on there? Well, first of all, first of all, Peter is trying to hold the balance between yes, God is patient, but also God is good. And if He's good, that means at some point He has to confront evil in our world. And for all of this goodness to come, the evil must be dealt with in a permanent way. And so Peter then jumps back into his Old Testament Hebrew roots and he grabs imagery from Isaiah 34 and he begins to talk about the day of the Lord. And I don't have time to go into it. If you're interested in knowing more about the full, a full understanding of the day of the Lord, then I would lead you to thebibleproject.com. Just put Bible Project, the day of the Lord. There's a great, great video that sums all of that up. But let me suffice it, let me, let me summarize it for you. The day of the Lord for the Hebrew people was the day when God confronts evil and sets people free. So Peter is saying, yes, God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to turn and run into His loving arms. But He is also good, and, and goodness, He can't be a good God if He just lets evil go on indefinitely, lets evil systems be perpetuated in our world and, and on our earth that, that are damaging human beings, that are dehumanizing people. At some point, God will step in and there will be the day of the Lord where He confronts finally evil and evil systems and puts an end to them. I hope that that's a still a hopeful message to you. Now I know, he talks about the heavens passing away with a loud noise. If you want, you can go back and read Isaiah 34, 4. And, uh, and you can read where Isaiah was using this poetic imagery to talk about this. The heavens being split open. And then the elements will be dissolved with fire. Here's your Greek word for the day. Elements is the Greek word stoikeia. You can say that with me. One, two, three, stoikeia. 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 Ready? One, two, three, stoikeia. The stoikeia was not about the periodic table. It wasn't about doing away with uh, burning up the earth and, you know, all of these kinds of things. Stoikeia in the Greco-Roman era of Peter's day that Peter was riding into, is that when people looked up into the night sky and they saw stars, they didn't think about flaming balls of gas billions of light years away. What they thought those things were 
We're representatives of the elemental spirits. In fact, if you turn to Colossians chapter 2 verse 8, you'll see Paul uses this. Since Peter references Paul, I feel comfortable referencing Paul. When he talks about, in fact, let me just read that for you. Colossians 2 8. Paul writes, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe. That word for elemental spirits? Stoicheia. So Peter is saying to people, who have been raised in a culture that is permeating them, to look up and see in the stars representatives of elemental spirits, evil spirits or rebellious spirits, who are setting up these evil systems that keep people enslaved, that keep people at war, that keep people in conflict. Can you imagine if every night you went out to the sky and you thought that this many billions of spirits... We're working against you and against the world in which you were just trying to make a living. Would it not be good news to hear that one day this God who is so patient and so loving and doesn't want anyone to perish but wants all to come to repentance will split the sky and those elemental spirits, those stoicheia that are up there that are working against it, that are creating systems that are keeping us dehumanized will be melted away. will be gone forever. That peace will finally reign on the earth as all of the systems of evil are done away with and disclosed. That should be good news for us. Really good news. In fact, for me, as I began to let this wash over me, as I was studying, I began to find the last group of tears for me, the tears of relief. Because I knew it. I knew that the God who so loved the world that He would give His one and only Son was a God of patience and peace and hope, as we've spoken of. I knew that the God who was in Jesus Christ perfectly represented the God who was willing to go to the cross to expose the stoicheia of our world. I knew that He was one, that He was worthy of the title Prince of Peace. And I began to question, okay, so if this is true, then what's our part during this Advent season while we're waiting and longing for the second coming, which now seems so much more hopeful? What are we called to do? Well, Peter says, there are a few things we can do. We'll start first in verse 11. Since all these things are to be dissolved away in this way, What sort of persons ought you to be? And that's a plural you. What kind of persons should you all or should we be? Leading 
lives of holiness and godliness. Oh, here we go. You're getting us back into that perfection. I've just got to do everything perfect or I'm going to be one of those ones that's burned up when all the things happen on the earth. No, 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 no. Listen, this is good news. Listen. In this time of waiting, in this time of longing, what Peter is saying is that we ought to lead lives of holiness. That means set apart for God's purposes. This God who is so patient, He doesn't want anyone to perish, but wants all to come to repentance. That means that we get to be a part of that. We're set apart for that purpose. That you and I are now called to be ones who proclaim the patience of this Prince of Peace. We, we get to do that. You and I are a part of this greatness. To lead a life of godliness. Remember, we saw this when we were studying First Peter earlier this year. Godliness is not just about piety and look at how godly I am. But it's about living a life of awe and wonder at a God who would so love the world that God would be patient with us because He doesn't want anyone to perish, but wants us to repent, to turn to His arms and be embraced. That we would be set aside to help people understand that and to do that. And we would be in awe and wonder that God would do that for us. Down in verse 13, or 14, I'm sorry. While you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by Him at peace, without spot or blemish. Oh, there you are, without spot or blemish. Got to be perfect. No, no, no. Remember, Peter is using Jewish language. He's using that understanding of sacrifice. He's saying during this season, not only do you get to be a part of God's great plan for the world and turning people towards His open arms, not only do you get to live in awe and wonder of this, but He's calling you to put all of yourself into that. To be sacrificial in the ways that you participate in what God is wanting to do in the world. Be sacrificial in the way that you will show your awe and wonder at this God who so loved that He didn't want you to perish, that He gave Everything for you. Everything. He said when, when this, and he uses the word peace here, and here we are, back to peace or candle. When you know that the patient God who created all things, who will one day wrap up and deal with the evil systems of our world, and you begin to leave, lead a sacrificial life into the same activity that God calls you in, and you begin to live a life of awe and wonder that God would include you and me in this process, it begins to bring in a great peace. And remember, Peter, as a good Jew, would be thinking of shalom. A great wholeness. A great oneness. Having everything we need, we would begin to live our lives out with great purpose. And Peter even says that when we do this, listen to this, when we do this, 
we begin to usher in this new life, this new coming, this rolling back of the heavens. We begin to see this come about as we participate. In verse 12 he says, as we live lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. You ever wondered? You ever cried about wondering as you look around at our broken world, God, when are you going to show up? Peter says, you want, you want to see that hasten? And join with God's purposes in the world to, to share and to sh- shelter and shepherd people back into His loving arms. Live lives of awe and wonder that God would include you. Live sacrificial lives of love as God lives that out in Jesus through you. And the goal is not for everything to be destroyed, but if you look in verse 13, in accordance with His promise, we wait for new heavens and new earth where righteousness is at home. Righteousness, I know, is a very religious word, and sometimes it's translated justice. But what righteousness gets at is right-relatedness. That in this new heavens and this new earth, the King of peace, the patient King, will come, and yes, will melt away all the evil systems of our world that keep people in oppression like racism, or sexism, or classism, or keeps people in poverty, or keeps people trapped in addictions and sin. God will deal with all of that. And He will bring forth a new heavens and a new earth where we are directly connected with this patient God because of what Jesus has done. And yes, we will be connected to all of the rest of humanity who have been sheltered into the arms of the patient God. We will see this go on for all eternity. My tears of relief turned into tears of joy. As I began to think that God would dare to call someone like me to be a part of leading a people like you. To be about His work of holiness, about being about the the ushering in of this new world by living a life of godly awe and reverence and wonder that God would include me. That I would be called to live sacrificially like Jesus. And that I might one day see the Prince of Peace roll back the heavens and come down. I found myself just singing. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. Sing with me. King of heaven, come. 
wherever you're watching from today, I I do want to ask you the question, are you at peace with God? Do you know that God is using this time very patiently because He loves you? He longs for you to be shepherded into His arms, that you would turn around and see that He is the God who loves you. If you have just sensed, I I want to turn towards a God like that, then I want you to bow your heads right now, wherever you are. Don't, Don't let anything distract you. Just bow your head and pray these words right after me. God, I've heard about your patience. I've heard that you love me. I've heard that I'm running away from you. But I want to turn around. I want to repent. I want to be wrapped in your arms of love. I've heard that Jesus made this possible and sacrificed a great deal for me. Turn me around, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus showing me the way. Father, embrace me. Fill me with Your Spirit and a sense of awe and wonder. Help me to join Your purposes. Set me apart for Your will. Let me be at peace knowing You are with me. For some of us, we've been in church a long time. And to be honest, sometimes when you go through the motions for a long time, we forget that our call is to be set aside for God's purposes of leading people into His arms. We forget that we're called to live lives not just on Sunday but all of our life in reverent awe of that God would include us. Maybe you, maybe me, us as Cross Community Church, we need to bow our heads right now and pray this prayer. God, I've been at peace with you for a long time. Remind me daily that I'm set aside to live a life of holiness. To live a life of awe and wonder at who you are. That you would include someone like me. To live sacrificially without spot or blemish to give and to show love even to my enemy 
Oh God, we confess to You. I confess to You. That in the hustle and bustle of our lives, my life, I can sometimes forget. And awe and wonder can be replaced by routine and ritual. Forgive me, O God. You have given so much. I want my peace with you to be alive. Working and hastening towards the day when you will come confront the evil systems of our world. And we will praise you as the reigning Prince of Peace. Come, restore unto us, unto me, the joy of my salvation. And remind me that you are taking us into a world of right relatedness. A new heavens and a new earth are possible. And that is the longing. And that is the hope. And that will be the kingdom of peace. And so we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Come. In and through your church. For we pray and ask all of these things through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. All God's people said in their living rooms around the world, Amen. 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 As you receive this blessing, and now may you, Know that this time of God's patience is for no other reason than your and my salvation. May you be blessed by hope and peace with God this week and during this season of Advent. As you look around and see all the evil in our world and the systems that perpetuate it, may you be reminded of the hope and the good news that God is patient with people God will deal with evil and its systems someday. May it stir up the longing in your heart to join God's purposes, to live at awe and wonder of every breath that you take, and inspire you to live sacrificially without spot or blemish as you wait for the coming kingdom. And may your prayer be, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Spirit who is in us, one God forever and ever. God bless you. Go in peace. Go in His name. Stay safe. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether today is in your living room on a Sunday or in your office, or listening to us, just the sermon on a podcast. We're so grateful that you took this time to be with us. May God bless you this week and always.
Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.